HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. HRN is food radio supported by you. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org. Forever Cheese, a leading importer of cheese and specialty food, has sourced exceptional products from Italy, Spain, Portugal, and Croatia for 25 years. Offering a wide selection of artisan cheese, charcuterie, nuts, crackers, preserves, and more, their products are sold in stores nationwide. Forever Cheese seeks out the best of the Mediterranean and focuses on sharing stories from their family of producers. Each product has a unique story, and their goal is to celebrate each one. From drunken goat to genuine Fulvi Pecorino Romano, Mostarda to Mitica Marcona almonds, and Duya to Jamon Iberico, Forever Cheese is proud to offer products they love from people they believe in. Their passion, quality, and range are unmatched. Learn more at forevercheese.com and look for their products in a grocery store, restaurant, or specialty food shop near you. I am Chaparivan. And I'm Dan Saladino. And we've kidnapped Dan Saladino <laughs> for this episode of Agave Road Trip. Help me. <laughs> Agave Road Trip is critically acclaimed award-winning podcast that helps green exporters better understand Agave, Agave Spirits, rural Mexico, and Agave Landscapes. Yes, and this is an episode that Dan actually proposed to us because we ran out of ideas. So, totally. uh, yeah. Well, so I, we, we, I was just so fascinated on this journey through Oaxaca, all the different ways in which we are seeing agave. And we've seen fields and slopes filled with agave. We've seen what are obviously farming systems where maize is broken up into sections surrounded by lines, strips of agave. And I was just wondering, you know, if you are driving through um, uh, Oaxaca on on an agave road trip as we are, what to expect when you see these different landscapes. How uh, does agave feature in the landscape in different ways? And so, yeah, that was why I came up with that idea, agave landscapes. So, you know, I've got a couple thoughts on this, but my biggest thought on this is, this is so Chava. <laughs> right? <laughs> like, Dan, like, like, Dan. <laughs> you know, I, like, it feels to me like, 
there's got to be, so, you know, when, when you look at the agave with all the stuff growing around it, whether you're talking milpa or you're just talking the weeds or whatever you're talking about, like, there's something about, to me, the genetic diversity of that, the biodiversity of that, rather, that's important. But it feels to me like what you really want to get to the core of is how beautiful it is. <laughs> well, it's, I think that's part of it. And because it's obviously visually stunning. And that's why I think that caught your eye, literally. Then. But I also think that something really interesting about this is that different ways of planting, different ways of distributing the agave. Think of, think of this like a landscape artist or a landscape architect. Different ways of building different types of gardens of agave mean different things. Does that yeah. make any sense to you, Luke? Absolutely. Yeah. Well, yeah, make... it, it does not to me. It does <laughs> to Dan. Well, um, and we've had some fascinating conversations with farmers uh, and agave spirits makers in which they've made reference to the role that agave plays in the landscape. And there are, I think, based on what, what I've been listening to, types, uh, varieties of agave that are more suited to... Mm. Uh, pr- giving stability to the soil or growing on slopes. So I think the diversity of agave also explains how it's been used pos- over thousands of years by farmers I... to create these uh, landscapes. As, as you mentioned, like they are architects of the land. I love this with a passion. And I think that, think about, like right now that we're in the Mixteca, we didn't see that many agave species, right? We mostly saw some mutant version of Angustifolia, that it's a massive espadin, uh, which they call orno, and we saw papalometos, which are potatorums. And the tiny potatorums, they were not using that as fences. They were not using that to protect the soil, not to be a wash away by the rain, because that's a tiny agave. It's more like the potatorums were like sort of sparkled, like, you know, just thrown around as like little elements that almost like beauty marks on the landscape. Whereas the guys, the homers, you know, like the the, the muscular guys were the, the one homers? doing the homers. Homers in the truck. Oh, homers. Okay, that makes more yeah, sense. Yeah, well, like Sorry. you know, the muscular kids were the, these massive espadines, and I would even say that they selected to work with these really big espadines because they are very suited to carrying this weight of the of the soil. You know, it's so uh, to try and get into your heads uh, with this, uh, with something that doesn't really add up much for me, I'm wondering if also there could be something that reflects that brick wall that we saw Lalo building to direct the waters. If maybe some of that landscape architecture you're talking about is literally the agaves redirecting water to some of those those plants. Well, look, so uh, our sound engineer that is here with us inside the car. Is he Roy- saying no? Roy has a sound that he's going to put into the edit uh, to identify himself as a human. He's not a robot, we swear. Please verify you're not a robot. Select all images with gringos. Uh, he actually walked through the... Uh, okay, there's some military, so everybody looks sharp. Uh, <laughs> okay, they just passed. Uh, no, it's okay. It just looks like we kidnapped you guys. They'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Roy actually walked into this structure and when he came out of there I thought it really interesting then that you asked him what do you feel mm. right yeah. you you like and and uh, I think what I mean I, I was over here in the conversation but I think he said that he felt that he he transitioned from nature to something that felt engineered no yeah yeah
And at the same time, I, there's a there's a, an idea also that I've included in Eating to Extinction that monocultures do not exist in, in nature. And I think when the, the the early farmers or the earliest farmers in this part of the world would have started to in, interact with all the different wild varieties uh, of agave, of maize, of beans, none of this would have existed in a monoculture. And likewise, when they started to domesticate and create fields of food, they would not have created monoculture. So to me, what's fascinating about agave is seeing clues in the 21st century landscapes here of how farmers thousands of years ago would have planted agave with beans, with maize, and created diverse landscapes. And the agave would have not only provided pulque or uh, aguamil, but also structure, stability yeah. to, the, to the land. Well, have, have you seen anything uh, on your on your many, many travels? Have you seen anything like that in other environments that kind of like another plant that served that purpose where maybe they couldn't grow agave or didn't grow agave? It's everywhere. So if you look at all uh, farming systems in all parts of the world, you will find examples of so-called intercropping. I've recently been in northern Spain, which very different to Oaxaca, but in some cases hilly, mountainous, lots of marginal land that isn't easy to grow uh, crops in. And what you find there historically is spelt. So it's like, like uh, an, an ancient yeah, form of uh, wheat. Yeah. And what the farmers there would have done, they would, would have intercropped that with um, the bean varieties, the legumes uh, indigenous to Europe. Mm -hmm. uh, spelt has been in northern Spain for two and a half thousand years. And the spelt grows really tall and you need some support. And that's exactly what the legumes, the bean provided ah. structure to oh. that farming system in the way I think agave must have provided structure to the farming systems of the ancient people of this part of the world. And I mean, I yes, I, and I, I love that. And you know, like when we're on top of one of the hills and we're admiring some of this, it was almost like, you know, the lines, not all the lines that they were making with the agave were straight lines, right? There were some that were curved. And it was of such elegance. You know, like there's many ways to draw a curve. But these curves were just like, if somebody with a great hand had drawn that, like if a giant had come there, the Picasso of the agriculture and just made this, uh, these curves. And when we were looking down at, at, at Chava, you also mentioned that the agave would actually have protected the maize from animals, livestock, cattle, for example. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that was a good point. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. also, uh, you know, it, it would have been something that might have been a really clear indication of where this is my land, this is where it ends, and this is where your land begins. And you it know makes, what? It makes me wonder, though, when that agave reaches maturity, do those people fight over whose seats they are? Uh, <laughs> well, I'm well sure. like a neighbor's fence, you know, yeah, is this yeah, your fence or yeah, mine? Right, it's great to get. But I think, you know, why I, I believe this discussion is so interesting, Lou, because, again, like, I think that we are tremendously fascinated agave and the relationship that it has with humans, right? How humans has, have interpreted agave in many ways, shapes, and forms. One of those interpretations is what we love to drink, which is agave spirits. 
But now what I think what Dan is suggesting is that we're almost in front of something that it's almost uh, an architectural element and it's also a, uh, a building block of agriculture. And I think we've mentioned this in some ways and forms before, but I don't think we've ever gotten to this clarity uh, well, like, or, or ever thought about this with so much precision. But also, when you think about the daily, potentially the way in which you, it would have been a daily uh, source of those um, sugary tears as well. <laughs> so, you know, to have that as part of your system, as part of your you know, mix of crops, along with the fibers that the leaves would eventually give, along with the, I mean, one of the most mind-blowing things on this trip has been you, Java, handing me some of the cooked agave to eat and this fleshy caramel like fibrous sweet food was mind-blowing so if i was a farmer here centuries thousands of years ago i would want agave as part of my system yeah you know it, it, so it makes me wonder and this drives Chava nuts but i i like to think about every single one of these episodes what does this mean to a gringo bartender right hmm. and oh, well I think it's a very easy answer, but go. No, 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 please. Oh, I think that it's, you know, like when a gringo bartender is talking about mezcal, I think all of them, or at least the ones that I know that are extremely excited about this category, want to tell people this is bigger than what you're drinking. There's a bigger, larger story behind this drink. And that's the pulse that you were talking about. There's something about this drink. It's not only that it's delicious. It means a bunch of other things. And I think by thinking of the many purposes and the many uh, reaches that the agave has, the gringo bartender is going to be able to share this larger story with more tools. That would add to my experience if I was drinking an agave spirit, to, to know that sense of history, of the landscape I'm drinking, the stories of people over millennia that I'm sharing in, effectively, when I'm sipping that drink. It, as you say, Chava, it's a much, much bigger story. And surely every drinking experience is improved by that bigger story. I, I think what you each said was beautiful and we should just go have a drink now. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be more than happy to do that. Guys, it's been a full pleasure. The day is ending. See you soon. Hasta pronto. This has been Agave Road Trip, the podcast that helps gringo bartenders learn about agave spirits. Your hosts are Lubank and Chava Periban. Sound engineering by Roy Sierra. Theme song performed by Gabriel Oliveira and Mark Rico. Sign up to become a road tripper and listen to more episodes at agaveroadtrip.com. If you enjoyed this podcast, please let us know. And if you hated it, recommend it to your enemies. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. Lou is in charge of our social media. So if he happens to sound like an old man, forgive him. He is one. Agave Road Trip is a production of 10 Angry Pitbulls, Inc. Agave Road Trip is powered by Simplecast. Thank you for listening to Heritage Radio Network. Heritage Radio Network is food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter. To subscribe to the Heritage Radio Network newsletter, enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with Heritage Radio Network on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find Heritage Radio Network at facebook.com slash heritageradionetwork. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. Heritage Radio Network couldn't do that without support from listeners like you. Become a part of the food 
the world's most innovative community today. Subscribe to the shows you like. Tell your friends. And please join the Heritage Radio Network family by becoming a member. To become a member of the Heritage Radio Network, click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Heritage Radio Network can become addictive. Programming you here on Heritage Radio Network can drive you to eat, drink, and listen to more programming on Heritage Radio Network. If it drives you to drink, please do not drink and drive. Drink responsibly. Eat responsibly too. And listen to Heritage Radio Network responsibly. To listen to Heritage Radio Network responsibly, wear protective earbuds. While wearing protective earbuds, do not drive or walk. Sit in a comfortable chair. If that comfortable chair has a hard seat, please remember to get up and stretch every 30 minutes. If you get up and stretch every 30 minutes, do not stretch beyond your abilities. Stay within your defined stretching capacity and consult a doctor who specializes in stretching. If you do not have a doctor, listen to all the shows on the Heritage Radio Network. There has to be at least one doctor among the Heritage Radio Network podcast hosts. Thanks for listening. Agave Road Trip out.